0: I've known this speaker for many years, 36 years. We've been married for 33 years. When I think of a single person that's been a rock in my life, it's been Sheila. The one thing that she desires for you this morning, and I say this because I know her, is that you hear the word and apply it. And we've often heard the saying, the truth will set you free. But that's not true. It's knowing the truth and acting upon it that will set you free. Because the truth is here. It's always with us. But unless we know it and act on it, nothing happens. That's what we did when we accepted Christ into our lives. We saw the word and we acted on it. I just want to read a couple of scripture out of Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20. It says, my son or my daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. Sheila. Yay!
1: Praise the Lord! <laughs> it is good to be here. It's uh, we had a wonderful time away, but I just love being with the family of God, the local family. Just um, come together and worship the Lord together, and and uh, just just be able to see everybody and hug everybody. Spent time in prayer this morning with some, and just so good. And this is my most treasured possession. I love my Bible. There's just so much truth in here. There's just a wealth in here. And the gems are worth digging for. And I know that as I have learned from the scriptures and as I have applied these scriptures, it's just always been a right turn in my life. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for the life I have. I'm very grateful for God's word that showed me what kind of husband to believe God for. And um, I'm so blessed with the man that God brought into my life. The love and the honor and the respect that he shows me. Wow. I, I just feel so blessed. So um, God's word is, is worth digging into. And it will always cause you to make right turns in your life. Um, my message this morning, I've entitled uh, Strength in Faith, Weaken Unbelief. And I had been meditating on some scripture verses. And as I go through these scripture verses, um, I hope I can share things with you that uh, will maybe open your eyes the way they opened my eyes to see what I was dealing with, because if your eyes get open to see what you're dealing with, then you can, it can really help you in um, making the right decisions and knowing what to do about it. So I want to start out with reading an account from Mark chapter nine and it's verses 14 to 29. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid, So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. That same account is in Matthew chapter 17 in verses 14 to 21. Now in Mark, Jesus calls his disciples faithless. In Matthew, he calls them faithless and perverse. And faithless, it just means without faith. So he was telling his disciples, you're without faith. But he also said, you're perverse. Perverse means obstinately opposing what is wanted, reasonable, or required. So he was telling his disciples, you are obstinately opposing what is required. And in this instance, what was required was to cast that demon out of that boy. So he not only said, you don't have faith, he said, you're opposing what needs to be done here. This is a detailed description given of what the demon does to the boy. The father of the boy cries out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And the disciples asked Jesus why they couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus tells the disciples, this cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. You know, I don't believe that Jesus was referring to this kind of demon. I remember in in times past, I would read the scripture and the, the disciples were asking, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus answers, this kind comes out only by, except by prayer and fasting. But I'll give you my reasons why I believe that Jesus was not referring to this kind of demon. Number one, we have been saved by grace, not by works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Salvation is about more than being born again. Salvation includes redemption, and it includes deliverance. So salvation, redemption, Deliverance is a gift from God and it comes through faith, not through works. If you had to pray or fast in order to receive deliverance or in order to cast out a demon, that would be including works. And it's by faith that we receive. The second reason is we are to live by faith. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the power of God to salvation, which includes redemption and deliverance, is in the gospel of Christ. It's in the good news of Jesus Christ. The power of God to salvation, the power of God to deliverance is in the good news of Jesus Christ, not in the works that we do. We live by faith, not by works, even though our faith does produce works of righteousness, but we live by faith. We receive by faith, not by works. My third reason, Jesus' name is higher than every other name. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God the Father. So Jesus' name is above every other name. Jesus' name carries more authority and power than any other name. And when the name of Jesus is spoken in faith, every demon must submit to it. So I believe Jesus was referring to this kind of unbelief, not to this kind of demon. The disciples had unbelief. Jesus called them faithless. And I believe there are three different kinds of unbelief. This is my opinion. One of them, unbelief that comes from a lack of knowledge or a lack of being taught. You can't believe something that you've never heard about. Second one, unbelief that comes from the wrong kind of knowledge or the wrong kind of teaching. When something is taught incorrectly, then you learn it incorrectly. And the third one, unbelief, that comes from information from our physical senses, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch, what we feel, that feeds us information, and it can feed us unbelief. So it's through grace that we receive anything from God. It's by faith that we live as children of God. And it's the name of Jesus that is the highest power and authority. Now, it's the third kind of unbelief that I believe Jesus is referring to in these scriptures. That is the unbelief that comes from information from our physical senses. And it's the third kind of unbelief that I want to focus my message on. So let's go to some earlier records of the disciples receiving power and authority from Jesus. If we look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and verses 7 to 8, the scriptures say, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus gave the disciples power over unclean spirits, over demons. Jesus also gave specific instructions to the disciples. Jesus told them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give.
0: Let me read another
1: account where Jesus sent out more than the 12 disciples. If you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 1, and verses 17 to 20. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So even these disciples learned that the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. So the disciples had experienced the power and the authority that Jesus had given to them. Why weren't they able to use that authority and power over the demon in the little boy? Let me read the account again from Mark. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people, that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Imagine this scenario. Imagine what was happening. Imagine the display by the demon that the disciples were seeing seizes him, throws him down, foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. Imagine what their physical senses would be taking in. Sometimes those physical senses can feed you information that cause unbelief. When your natural mind is being fed with what you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and feel, and you've spoken in faith, and it appears that the demon is not obeying, then what? I believe that is when unbelief can set in. You have faith from God's word, but you also have unbelief from your physical senses. There's a tug of war going on in your mind. Let me read another scenario. Mark chapter eight, verses six to 10, and verses 14 to 21. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, How many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it you do not understand? The disciples had witnessed, and they were a part of two miracles of feeding the multitudes. Immediately after the second time of feeding the multitudes, they got into a boat and began to worry because they only had one loaf of bread in the boat. Jesus instructed his disciples to take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod, that is, the doctrine. When they began reasoning among themselves, then Jesus began questioning them. Why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Then Jesus reminded them of the miracles. And again, Jesus asked, do you not understand? We live in a natural world. We use our physical senses to live in this world. But this natural world is only one realm. There is a spiritual realm as well. We are subject to this natural world but we are not limited to this natural world the spiritual realm prevails over the natural realm let's look at another scenario mark chapter 6 verses 45 to 52 immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Now this is also recorded in Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 to 31. And in Matthew, it describes the conditions that the disciples were rowing in. They were tossed by the waves, the wind was contrary, and the wind was boisterous. Their physical senses might have told them that this was not a good time to be on the sea. But Jesus had made his disciples get into the boat. Now, Matthew tells how Peter tried walking on water and was succeeding until he took his focus off Jesus and he focused on the sea and what his physical senses were telling him. Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? Mark says the disciples were greatly amazed when Jesus got into the boat and the wind ceased. The reason they were greatly amazed is because they didn't understand about the loaves. Why did Peter doubt? Why were the disciples amazed? Why didn't the disciples understand about the loaves? Again, I say, we live in a natural world. We use our physical senses to live in this world. But this natural world is only one realm. There is a spiritual realm as well. We are subject to this natural world, but we are not limited to this natural world. The spiritual realm prevails over the natural realm. So let's go back to the questions that Jesus asked the disciples. Why do you reason because you have no bread? Now, the disciples were thinking about having no bread, not having enough to eat. The disciples' minds were on the things the natural world was showing them, one loaf of bread. The second question, do you not yet perceive nor understand? You can be aware of things through your physical senses, but there is a perception that goes beyond the physical senses The disciples weren't understanding the scope of Jesus' power and authority, nor the fact that Jesus was not dependent upon the natural world. The third question, is your heart still hardened? The fact that the disciples' focus and mind and attention was on the one loaf of bread revealed hearts that were hard, a hard heart. Is insensitive. It's not focused on Jesus' power and authority. A hard heart is focused on the limitations of the natural realm. I'm not saying that a hard heart is a wicked heart. It's simply a heart that is focused on the natural realm. Now, the fourth and fifth questions having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? We are so often like the disciples. Our attention is on what we possess in the natural realm or what is happening in the natural realm. We either restrict our seeing and hearing to our physical senses or we forget the miracles we have witnessed with our physical senses. <clears throat> the Bible says, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. When we are amazed beyond measure with supernatural things taking place in our lives, it is because we are living too much in the natural realm. It's impossible for us not to have our physical senses feeding us information from the natural realm but that information has a profound effect upon our faith just as it did on the disciples sometimes that information from the natural realm is overwhelming we end up with faith and unbelief faith in god's word unbelief in that word being performed Imagine a huge weight with two tractors hooked up from either end, both tractors pulling in opposite directions, one tractor named faith and the other named unbelief. So how do we strengthen faith? How do we weaken unbelief? Romans chapter 4, verse 13 and verses 19 to 21 says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So Abraham did not consider the natural realm. This is the key. Whatever you consider the most, your heart will become sensitive or will become softened too. And whatever you fail to consider, your heart will become insensitive or it will become hardened too. Abraham kept his mind stayed on the promise of God, so he was strengthened in faith. Abraham gave attention to the promise of God. it occupied his mi- He occupied his mind with the promise of God. We must keep our focus on the promises of God to strengthen our faith and to weaken unbelief that comes from our physical senses. The disciples focused on the natural realm, one loaf of bread, the condition of the sea, and this focus hardened their hearts to the words and the works of Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The spiritual realm prevails over the natural realm. Things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We're so used to living in the natural world where we see, hear, taste, smell, touch, and feel. But this natural world was not made from natural things that we see, hear, taste, smell, touch, and feel. There is a spiritual realm, a spiritual world. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So God's words are spirit, and they are life. God's words are what natural things are made of. The spiritual realm prevails over the natural realm. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 23, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So we are to give attention to the words of God. We are to give thought and consideration to God's words. Considering God's words will soften our hearts to God's words. We are to incline, we are to lean toward or bend to or bow to the words of God. When I think of our hearts, I think of the the depth of our innermost being. God's words are to be in the depth of our innermost being. God's words are to be entrenched in our mind, our will, and our emotions. Out of the heart spring the issues of life. Our heart affects our thoughts, our emotions, and our will. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When I think of a prosperous life, I think of a life of living a life that is pleasing to God, being in the center of his will, being obedient to him. If we're constantly meditating on God's words, we will establish them deep in our innermost being. When our physical senses speak to us out of the natural realm, then the word of God will rise up on the inside of us, giving us hope, peace, direction, For God's will to be done in our lives. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's impossible to combat unbelief coming from physical senses without the word of God. We need to hear with our heart. That kind of hearing only comes by the word of God. The word of God develops in us a hearing heart. Therefore, the word of God develops faith in us, and there is power in the word of God. Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Unbelief that comes from the information that our physical senses feed us, that kind of unbelief does not go out, does not leave, does not weaken, except by prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus commands us to pray. It's a communication time that builds relationship. Spending time in prayer is like tying the strings of our heart to God's heart. Prayer softens the heart for the word of God to take root in. Prayer is a time of softening our heart to hear the voice of God. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 and verse 14, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, And that's when the devil tempted him. Now, verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So fasting denies the flesh. Fasting denies the physical senses. Our body screaming at us, Feed me. It's always healthy to deny ourselves the senses of our heart become more attuned to the spiritual realm. In conclusion, we need to do everything we can to strengthen our faith and to weaken the unbelief. I have focused this message on the unbelief that comes from the natural realm and specifically our physical senses. Whenever we are greatly amazed beyond measure we need to check our hearts. What are we considering? What are we focused on? What thoughts are occupying our mind? How is our prayer life? How is our fasting life? Remember, whatever you consider the most, your heart will become sensitive or softened to. Whatever you fail to consider, your heart will become insensitive or hardened to. Strengthen your faith, weaken your unbelief.
0: Thank you, powerful message. Mm -hmm. Worship team, you can come on up.